0: couple of announcements to share with you uh, you can see listed in your bulletin and there's a second announcement sheet and I'm going to start there if you don't mind just pulling that out for a minute to, to take a quick look. Um, the chapel is going to be participating in the trunk or tree at Veterans Memorial Park on Wednesday October 31st and what we're asking for are donations of candy, small non-food or, or small non-food items to hand out. Um, You can read the rest of the announcement uh, for a little bit more information. Uh, If you'd like more details, please talk to my wife. She's actually back with with the little guys right now in um, children's ministry. Operation Christmas Child Ministry is here. There's an announcement about that as well. Um, uh, They're asking for a donation of $9 to ship the shoebox. And they're asking that everything is returned back by Sunday, November 11th. Sunday, November 11th. So that gives you about a month. To to get your shoebox packed and back here at the chapel, um, Awana also is looking for some small prepackaged candy donations. Um, I love how it says prepackaged candy donations. You know, nobody wants a piece of candy you chewed a little bit and put back in the wrapper, right? And <laughs> and bring that in. I just I just caught that right now. And I, huh? Please please no used candy. Um, And and listen, we're going to ask that that's uh, turned in by Sunday, October 14th. If you go to the fellowship hall, there's two boxes in there, and they're both labeled for both of the ministries. So if you have a chance um, to check that out, please do so. Also, on Sunday, October 21st, uh, the Revival Encounter Encounter Ministry will be here. Um, There's a sign-up for a potluck, which will follow the service. Uh, Our final announcement this morning is we'd like to extend our sympathies to Jim Snyder and family upon the death of his mother this past Tuesday. Uh, would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful to be here this morning. Lord, we're thankful for your love for us. God, that we can gather together as a family to lift you up. Father, we are here to glorify your name this morning. Father, may you speak truth into our hearts, to our souls and minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Thank you for reminding us of that. We appreciate that so much. If you have your hymn books, would you take them? Turn with me to hymn number one, hymn number one. Leonard, by the way, uh, he had some uh, hernia surgery this past Wednesday and had uh, just a few complications uh, with that, so um, he's not with us this morning. So I'm gonna lead uh, this hymn, and you stand with me, and let's sing Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. you sit down turn to someone and greet them would you please
2: <laughs> and
1: nobody else I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that. It's so good to see all of you this morning. Thank you for coming on this first Sunday of October, and of course, this is our uh, time when we come to the uh, Lord's table uh, to observe communion, and uh, we'll do that in just just a few moments. Um, as I mentioned, Leonard had hernia surgery this past Wednesday. It was outpatient, and uh, he had all good intentions to be here today, but Um, There was a few uh, glitches that I'm sure they'll be able to work out, but uh, pray for Leonard. Uh, Pray for Leonard, he said to me as I talked with him, you know, at that age, he says, I just don't bounce back, you know, like I did before, uh, which is certainly understandable. Speaking about not bouncing back, I just learned this morning that Donna Pop had fallen uh, yesterday at some event, breaking her wrist and uh, has a concussion so uh, keep donna in your prayers uh abby had, well i hope donna doesn't listen to this oh abby said if she knows i told you this <laughs> no sure i'm sure she'll sure sure she'll be okay um, but i think she fell on her chin actually so uh, pray for donna um, she's been teaching school in millersburg and i think she committed herself to three or six weeks i forget forget how long so she's planning to be back on Tuesday uh, which probably she will be uh, with a cast on her wrist Uh, so pray for Donna Uh, you know these uh, accidents they they happen so so quickly so quickly Um, so keep her in your prayers so father we come before you once again and as we say so often Lord it's just a great privilege a great honor uh, to be able to come through your son into your presence Father, it's only because of what Jesus has done for us as the mediator between God and man. Father, we don't claim to have any merit of our own to come into the presence of a holy, a thrice holy God. But Father, we're able to do so and come with confidence. And we read in the scriptures, we can come boldly. But it's only, Lord, because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we come before you with confidence, knowing, Lord, that you hear us, uh, you listen to us, uh, you answer our prayers, uh, yeah, although Lord in, in some respects that's a great mystery to think that the God who created all of we see around us, the universe, uh, you take time to listen to each of us, but you do and we thank you for that. So Father as we come before you we pray for Leonard this morning, Lord. We know that his desire, his wish was to be here, but Father, he although had good successful surgery, uh, Lord, there now seems to be this bit of a complication, and so we pray that, uh, Lord, very quickly you would touch him and heal him. We think of Donna this morning, Lord. We don't know all the details, but we know of a concussion and a broken wrist, and we commit her to you as well, Lord. We know she would be here. Uh, she would be with us. But, uh, Father, because of this accident, uh, we, um, she can't be. And so we, we commit her to you. Father, we think of our country this morning. Uh, Father, we pray for our new Supreme Court Justice, Judge Kavanaugh. We commit him to you his wife, and his two daughters. And pray, Lord, that you might strengthen him. Lord, give him strength and courage as he sits now on the highest court of the land. Give him great wisdom. Give him, Lord, insight, and give him guidance. Give him wisdom that comes from above. Help him to make right decisions according to your will. Father, we do pray for the divisiveness among the leaders of our country. Lord, we've never seen this before, but we ask, Lord, that somehow you might intercede. You might work in a way that goes beyond what we could imagine right now. God, you do those things. You do things that we could never dream of, and so we pray that, Lord, you and your goodness and mercy to this country, that you might bring somehow unity out of great division. Father, we thank you this morning for your Son. We Thank you for Jesus, your only begotten one, who willingly lay down his life on behalf of Mankind. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for the grace that you have provided and for the mercy, Lord, in which we are saved. For the love, Lord, that goes beyond measure. Pray this morning, Lord, that your Son might be honored and glorified in everything that we do music, prayer, fellowship, sermon. Communion, that each of these things, Lord, points to you, and that you look down upon us with your favor. So we thank you for the great salvation which is ours, and pray, Lord, if there's someone within the walls of this sanctuary that has never made that commitment, never trusted you personally for their own salvation, that today might be that day when your spirit, who is a spirit that brings about conviction, spirit that brings about regeneration and new birth. Gives us faith to trust in Jesus. May your spirit work freely among us. Move into our hearts and minds and teach us what we need to know. Again, Father, you're a great God and we thank you for your presence today. The Bible says when your church meets together, Lord, you have promised to be right there in their midst. Father, we know you're here. We feel your presence. Now help us to allow you to work. Work in a very special way in each of us. And draw us closer to you. And make us more like you. May we be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Would you stand with us?
0: We sing about his love and how it defends us.
3: You are my joy. You are my song. You are the well, the one. i find- Sing that one more time as a prayer. Lord, let us hear you.
1: I I said earlier earlier that we're, um, uh, we've come to the time now where we have our time of communion. Uh, We come around this table and uh, we, in a few moments, will be past these trays. Uh, One has a cup, one has uh, bread cubes. Have you ever wondered why we use these elements? Why is it that we use grape juice and a little cube of bread? Where did these symbols originate? Why is it bread? Why is it a cup? You know, to answer that question, we have to go all the way back into the history of Israel. You, you do know that the Bible is connected from cover to cover, you know, it kind of progresses through. And so in the New Testament, we can often understand it a little better if we know the old. So let's try to understand a little bit about Israel's history, and it will help us to understand why we do what we do. Why do we come around a table? Why is it called the Lord's Supper? Why is it bread? Why is it a cup? Why do we do that? So all the way back in the book of Genesis, we learn. We learn at one time in Israel's history, they were in slavery. They were down in a place called Egypt. And there in Egypt, they were slaves. And uh, the Egyptians, they found in these Israelites free labor. They liked these Israelites around. But the Israelites certainly did not like the position they were in. God allowed them for a certain time, but Then God decided to rescue them. God decided it's time now that they leave that position of slavery and are free. And so he calls a man by the name of Moses. Moses was the man who was going to be the deliverer. And God said to Moses, you go to the Pharaoh. You go to the king of Egypt and you tell that king, let my people go. And Moses did. But Pharaoh said, no. Now we said last week, when we have man's will and God's will and they come together, which one wins? It's always God's will. Let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And so God uses plagues. God says, sends Ten plagues upon the kingdom of Egypt. Flies, gnats, frogs, water turning to blood, etc. And Pharaoh continued to say no. He continued to say no. And so God now must use extreme measures as he did with the flood. And God chooses the 10th plague and says all of the firstborn throughout Egypt but also throughout the people of Israel on a certain night they will all be slain. They will all be killed. You can imagine the scene, the cries, the, the shouts, the emotion even within Israel but God said to the Israelites I'm gonna make a way that your firstborn they can be delivered that they can be rescued that you can save your firstborn and this is what you need to do you need to take a lamb you kill that lamb and you take the blood of that lamb and you take hyssop branches." And you take the blood and you paint on your doorposts that blood. So that when that death angel comes through and sees that blood, it will pass over you. And that's what they did. The Israelites that believed that they could have their firstborn spared, they took a lamb. And they painted the doorposts. And when the angel came by, he saw the blood and he passed over. But God said something else to the people of Israel. He said, on that night, when all of these firstborn are slain, Pharaoh will say yes. That this will be the straw that will break his back. And when he says yes, and he says to the Israelites, you go, you got to be ready. You've got to be ready. So not only do you slay a lamb, but I want you to make bread. But because you got to rush and get out of there quickly, you got to eat in a hurry. And there's no time to bake the bread. There's no time for the bread to have yeast in order for it to rise so i want for you to make bread without yeast without leaven and so the israelites did and so on that night the death angel comes through he sees the blood that home is spared of the killing of their firstborn but everybody else In Egypt and Israel, if they did not put blood on the doorposts, the firstborn was killed. And when Pharaoh's firstborn was killed, he said to the Israelites, go. Get out of here. Don't waste time. Get out of here in a hurry. And the Israelites fled to their safety. And God said, this day, you are to commemorate Don't ever, you cannot ever forget this day. And God called it the Passover. And following the Passover was a period of a week, seven days, called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn, first of all, to Exodus, and then we're going to go back to the New Testament. We're trying to answer the question, why bread? Why do we use bread when we come to this table? Look at Exodus chapter 13. Look at Exodus chapter 13. And I'm going to read starting at verse 3, but I'm only going to read a select number of the verses uh, down through verse 10. Um, I'll try to point them out so you can follow with me. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 3. It says then Moses he said to the people commemorate this day the day you came out of Egypt out of the land of slavery because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand eat nothing containing yeast today in the month of Avir you are leaving jump down to verse 6 For seven days eat bread made without yeast, and on the seventh day hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. Verse 10, you must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. Passover is followed by this festival, this feast we call the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Jews were to celebrate this annually, year after year. And the bread was to be made through those seven days without yeast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you don't have to turn there, but let me just read to you what Paul says about communion Uh, the church in Corinth was a church that had many issues and problems and one of the issues and problems had to do with communion and so uh, Paul wanted to instruct them and this is what he said for I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread what kind of bread do you think that might be unleavened bread he took bread and gave thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me jesus on the night in which he was betrayed he was sitting with his disciples and they were having a passover supper they killed the lamb they're eating unleavened bread as well as other things but here the bread was the bread used at Passover. And Jesus then, he changes things. He doesn't say, listen, eat this bread and think back over the time when you were delivered from Egypt, which is what they did all the way from Exodus up to this point. But Jesus now, moving into the new covenant, he says, in remembrance of me, you now remember me. From now on, it's not going to be a Passover meal. It's going to be my supper. It's going to be the Lord's Supper. Now, we're going to come back to that thought in just a minute. In the Bible, when you read of yeast, it almost always symbolizes sin, almost always. When you read about yeast, this ingredient that you Ladies using baking bread, it almost always symbolizes sin. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And again, as I just said, Paul is always instructing, admonishing, correcting the church in Corinth. They're always doing something that they need to be told, it's not right, this is how you have to do it. And Paul here, in this context, there is actually an incestuous relationship within the church. There's something immoral taking place. It's a time of great embarrassment, and and it's ruining their witness. And Paul writes in verse 6 of chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole bunch of dough, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new leavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened, with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Yeast here is a picture of sin. Corinth has a problem. There's this incestuous relationship within the church. And Paul is calling that yeast. There is yeast in the church. There is sin in this church. And these Corinthians, rather than being embarrassed by something they should be embarrassed about, they seem to be boasting of their tolerance of it. And Paul must correct that. Paul must correct this disgraceful situation. And he calls it yeast. He calls this sin, this evil in the church, yeast or leaven. Now, what is sin? We talk a lot about sin, asking God to forgive you of your sins. What is sin? How would you define that? Well, the Bible says that sin is a transgression Of the law or rebellion against God we have seen it in the last series that we have just come through we have seen sin in the taking of the forbidden fruit by Adam and Eve they did something against God's law his command we saw it in Cain when he slew his brother Abel he took the life of someone who was created in the very image of God himself we saw it in the people pre-flood whose thoughts and intents were evil all the time a corrupt people where millions were destroyed we saw it at the Tower of Babel the Tower of confusion the pride that set in when they decided we're going to build this great city and we're going to have a great tower within this city and we will make a name for ourselves we see sin all around us the evil the wickedness in the world today why is it that there is so much sin in the world today well the Bible says that we have an inherited sin that is when Adam sinned the Bible says we have all sin we have an inherited sin We are sinners by nature. The psalmist David said this, surely, in Psalm 51 and verse 5, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Think of that. Tiny babies born into this world are born with this old, Adamic, sinful nature. But it's not just the nature that we have. The Bible says we also have personal sin. Not just an inherited sin, but personal sin. Sins that we commit every day of our lives. We can't go through one day without some kind of sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23: For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Sin is falling short. Sin is lagging behind. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is falling. I was playing tennis uh, earlier this week, and uh, we play up in Millersburg right by the um, high school, and um, uh, the gym class, uh, a lot of times, will come out the doors, and they run by the courts, and they go down over the uh, steps to the pool field. They were by the swimming pool, and um, it was just a middle school group, I, I think. It was just young boys and girls, and um, they had the soccer nets all set up, and later on they had two games that they, they played. But before they did, the gym teacher, I heard him say, okay, everybody take a lap, and they all ran around the circumference of the pool field. And then I, I was, I'm playing, you know, as I'm listening to all of this. And then I hear him say this, come on, such and such. And he named him, catch up, catch up. I couldn't help but, you know, look down over the field and see all the kids, you know, out kind of in the front. And there's this one little boy that seems to be lagging behind. Catch up. And I thought of the definition of sin, falling short, lagging behind. You know, missing the mark when you shoot at the target. Here's God. Holy, holy, holy. Who has a standard. Who has a law. And we cannot meet and fulfill that law. We cannot keep all of His commands. For all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed that mark, and the Bible calls that sin. So what do we do with that? What do we do with with this personal sin that we all are involved in? Don't say you're not. John tells us if you say you haven't sinned, you, you deceive yourself. At the end of the day, when you look back, so many things we have done that God is not pleased with. So many things in our lives that that we have done that God is not looking down with his favor. Or things we've neglected to do at the end of the day. We look back and boy there's all these good things we should have done and, and we haven't done them. Have I loved my neighbor as myself? So what do we do with personal sin well notice what paul says in the context of first corinthians chapter 5 in verse 7 notice what he says he says get rid of the old yeast get rid of the old yeast you know it's interesting because from what i understand uh you know the uh, it's not just getting rid of the yeast in the sense of don't eat it during that feast of unleavened bread but the jews not only were to not eat it they were not to touch it they were not to even allow it within their homes for those seven days for those seven days they are not to be anywhere near yeast remove it from the houses, it says in exodus chapter 12 and verse 15. God's command, it leaves no room for debate. No matter how small the amount might be, leaven must not be permitted within that household. All leaven, it must be purged out. And I was reading something this week on on the um, customs and the, uh, the celebration of the modern Jewish households, and they will, during that seven days of Unleavened bread, they will wash their walls. They will scald the utensils that they use to, uh, to be involved with leaven. They will uh, wash their clothes, even turning their pockets inside out in case there's any yeast found within there. They scrub the carpets. They tend to take the bags, the vacuum bags, and discard them. The great extent they go through and then I found it quite interesting uh, a ceremony that many will practice. It's called the searching out of the leaven. And modern day Jews, uh, they will do this. They, uh, at the, on the night, you know, before the day of unleavened bread, they will, uh, the, the wife, the, mo- uh, the, the mother of the house will go around to the different windowsills in the corner and she will take little pieces of yeast and put them on the windowsills. And then the father and the children, they will go and search to find them. And the dad will take a goose feather and a wooden spoon. And the children will follow him, all excited. And then when he finds a, a little piece of leaven, he'll take the wooden spoon and push it into the spoon with a goose feather. And then they take all of these pieces of yeast and put it into a bag and take it outside and burn it in the morning. They will not touch. They will not eat. They cannot have yeast within their homes. Why all the bother? I mean, come on. <laughs> a, little bit of le- a little bit of yeast? Why go through such extensive means to get rid of all of that? But then I read verse 6. And it says this. Says, don't you know that just a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? One bad apple, you've heard it, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. I like strawberries. I appreciate the uh, when strawberry season's in effect. I know some of you. You know we will give us strawberries but you know right now you have to go to giant and um we buy a big box of these strawberries each week and i look at them you know it's one of those clear boxes and you look at the top and they all look really nice and you look at the sides and underneath and but there's always one in the middle isn't there there's always one strawberry somewhere that you can't see on the outside and i have noticed that that mushy one right in the middle Any strawberry that touches it, there's a little edge right there that's also mushy. One bad strawberry, one bad apple, one little bit of yeast is going to spoil the whole bunch. Paul says in verse 7, you're a new batch. You're a new batch. He says, get rid of the old yeast every little bit so that you may be a new unleavened batch. And listen, it says, as you really are. As you really are. You see, what Paul is saying here is that we as Christians positionally, we are a new batch. The Bible says we are new creations, that all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And positionally, God looks down at us. And in his sight, we are forgiven. Our sins have been carried as far as the east is from the west. We are holy as he is holy, positionally. Because he sees us through the cross. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. But practically, (laughs) that's another story. You see, we are a new batch, but he says if you're a new batch, if you're a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, then live like that. If you claim to be within God's family, then live like you are a child of God's. You're a new batch, so live as you really are, whose you are. If you're God's child, live like that. If you're Christ's follower, then follow him. Don't claim to be something you aren't. A lot of people in the world today, they profess to be followers of Jesus, but you don't see it in their lives. We are new creations. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let me read a couple verses, just a page over. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are temples. We are God's new temples And the Holy Spirit of God, he has taken residence in us. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ indwells us. Therefore, glorify God and honor God in these bodies. And so the imagery of removing leaven from the house is applied to the moral purity that that God requires of us. Being his temples... We are his body, we are his house. And allowing small sin in our lives can quickly influence and change the whole batch. You know how that happens. A little bit gets in there and it grows, expands. There was a grandma one time and she had a grandson, his name was Jeff. And little Jeff, he was only 14 years old, and little Jeff, he was, you know, starting to experiment with a few things that teenage boys experiment with, and grandma didn't like some of the things he was, you know, getting involved in, oh, it wasn't, you know, the great big stuff, but, you know, a few things he was flirting with, and grandma, as grandma's will do, used her wisdom, and she said, I'm going to teach little Jeffy a lesson, And she called Jeffy over one day and Jeff comes into the house and Grandma says, Hey, Jeff, how would you like for me to bake you a batch of brownies that you can make for your, I'll make for you and you can share them with your friends. Oh, he was all smiles. And he said, Great, Grandma. What can I do to help? And she goes through this process. She says, You know, this is going to be the best batch of brownies I have ever made in my life. I am going to use butter that I've never used before. Before I'm going to use the very expensive ingredients that I have over in the, clot, over in the cupboard. Let me look. I, I'm not sure how you bake brownies, so let me look what I have written here. Uh, <laughs> fresh eggs. Fresh eggs. I guess that's part of it. She said we're going to go uh, next door to the farmer and we're going to get some fresh eggs. We're going to use the, the very expensive cocoa powder You know, that she had over in her cupboard and a little bit of honey and just the right amount of vanilla extract. I guess those are ingredients you use. Some of you ladies, you're looking at your husband's like, we don't use that. (laughs) Just follow me for a little while. Follow me for a little while. And he's getting all excited and they start to mix all this up. And she's, oh, I forgot one thing. And she has a teaspoon, a little teaspoon, and she reaches down into the litter box and she just gets just a quarter of a teaspoon of cat poop. Just a little bit, just a little bit. And she starts, Jeff says, wait a minute, Grandma, are you okay? (laughs) I mean, and she says, you know, Jeff, you seem to think that just a little bit of bad in your life is okay. That was a lesson Jeff learned that he took through the rest of his life. (laughs) Just a little bit can ruin the whole batch. And that's what Paul is saying. Just a little bit of nasty, evil, rotten, inappropriate stuff that we allow to come into our lives. No, Paul says purge it all out. Clean it out. Get rid of it. And then we have these verses at the end of the text that I read in verse 7 and 8. It says this at the end it says for christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed therefore let us keep the festival not with the old bread of leavened with malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth i think we see here jesus as our example jesus's death on the cross jesus he fulfilled the true meaning of the jewish sacrifice of the passover lamb It was John the Baptist, you'll recall, when he saw Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But I also see something else in this passage. It says, keeping the festival. That's the feast of unleavened bread. And it seems to me that this symbolizes not only the Christian life in holy dedication to God, and purging out and getting rid of the sin. But unleavened bread, I believe, pictures the sinless life of Jesus. That there there is no leaven. There is no yeast in Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in every way that we are, and yet without sin, yet without yeast. The Bible says that Jesus He knew no sin, but He became sin for us. And Mary was told by the angel that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you so that the one in you will be holy. Jesus was that. He was the Holy One of God. Now this kind of brings us back to the table that is before us. Why bread? Why during communion do we use bread? And again, I refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Very familiar passage. I read a portion of it earlier. But let me speak of it again. It says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what also I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. I hope now, having said what we said, this bread takes on new meaning. This is unleavened bread. This is bread that is used at the Passover meal. This is the unleavened bread that would be used for the seven days that follows the Passover during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus sits down with his disciples and takes this bread and the Bible says he gave thanks and he broke it and said, this is my body. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread that the Jews for years, hundreds and hundreds of years have eaten and look back to the Exodus, look back to remember and commemorate the day when they fled Egypt. Now, Jesus says, no longer are we going to look back to the Exodus. Now when you eat this bread... It should remind you of me. I am the Passover lamb. I, in just a few hours, I am going to be crucified. And you now, when you eat this bread, you look back to me. Don't look back to the exodus. You look back to me. And you remember me. You remember me. And he goes on to say, in the same way, verse 25, after supper, he took the cup, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Again, now, when you drink the wine in the cup, we're not going to remember all the way back to the Exodus, the blood of the Passover lamb, but now we're looking back to the cross. And we're looking at the blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of sins. For whenever you eat this bread (coughs) and you drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in just a few moments we will be passing both the bread and the cup and in the passing of these we would ask that you hold them until everyone has been served and then we'll eat and we'll drink together. The bread reminding us of the body of Jesus, the sinless body, the sinless man of God. The cup reminds us of his blood, the blood that was shed so that we might have our sins forgiven. Before we do that, we want to sing a song. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. For I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Why don't you stand with me, I'll give you a moment to just stretch a little bit before we come to our communion time of communion.
4: By the world has a wondrous attraction for me for the dear Lamb of God, his glory to bear it our cavalry, so I'll share. Trophies at last I lay down. I will cling, old rugged cross, exchange it someday for a crown. Let's jump down to the last stanza, stanza number four. To the old rugged cross. Will ever be true its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday far away where his glory forever. I'll share. So I'll share. Fill my trophies at last. I I will cling, rugged cross
1: and exchange it someday. Thank you, you may be seated. So I remind you that. once you receive the bread and once you receive the cup that you hold it until everyone has been served when the men then come to the front of the church and join me uh, then we'll eat the bread and we'll drink and we'll drink the cup together so uh, I'm going to invite that you uh, you men to come and join me now at the front of the church We will start with the bread, (coughs) excuse me, and um, these are bread cubes, and uh, we'll ask again that you would uh, hold this until everyone has received one. Father, we thank you for the body of our Lord. We thank you, Lord, for his sinlessness, for the fact that he, Lord, has uh, moved through life, uh, being tempted, yes, but, Lord, was able to resist. We thank you for the sinless body of Jesus that hung on that old rugged cross. Father, help us to think on that body in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible said he took bread and he gave thanks. He said, Let's eat, let's eat together. Father, it was your blood that was spilt on the ground, the blood of your Son. And we know that without the blood of Jesus, there is no remission of sins. Father, our sins have been removed because of that blood. And in that, again, Father, we thank you, because salvation is by grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Savior say thy strength indeed is long, child of weakness watch and pray, find in me line all in all Jesus paid it all, all to him. heart of stone and Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe sin had left the crimson stay he washed it white
1: as snow. And as Jesus was reclining at the table, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Drink ye all of it. Let's drink together. So, Father, now as we walk from this place, Lord, our hearts are filled with joy, gratitude, and love. But, Father, help us as your children to purge out the old leaven. And help us, Lord, to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name amen amen as the men are making their way to the pew would you stand with me and we're going to sing cappella, just the first stanza of holy 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 is it on the screen or do we know it i think we know this do we <laughs> let's try it holy 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 trinity amen amen you're dismissed